In this episode, I will be sharing with you more stories from my family and I's tent camping across America. I'll be sharing two stories in particular that have encouraged me as well as some encouragement for you in our everyday Christian walk. So sit back, relax, enjoy as we get everything going right now on The Great Sift. Welcome to The Great Sift Podcast. Through weekly installments, we provide content that will engage, encourage, and empower you as a believer in Jesus Christ. We tackle topics of the day, host interviews, and provide a biblical view on what is happening in the church and the world at large. So, grab a Bible, open your heart, and let's begin to sift through all that God has in store. So the first of two stories today takes place in Yosemite National Park. My family and I had been exploring the park all day long. Uh, Half Dome, we had gone to Glacier Point. Uh, We had thought about possibly going to Nevada Falls, but we decided instead to do the the easier hike, which is the lower Yosemite Falls. And let me tell you, it was absolutely stunning. But as we were going, we were uh, heading out of the park that day. We were driving. It was getting to be near dinner time, and my family and I decided to stop at this little turnout in this beautiful small meadow towards the west side of the park. Now, inside this meadow, there were these uh, big dumpsters, and on the dumpsters were carabiners that were closing the lids. And there on a sign, it actually said, Beware of Bears. Now, the meadow was beautiful, and it was open. It was green with these huge tall pines in the distance. As we began to prepare our dinner and prepare for uh, our family just to have a nice little picnic, my two children are running around like children do. And as they're running and playing and singing and dancing in the field, I know that sounds a little bit fairy tale, but that's literally what my children do. They decided that they wanted to hide from me, quote unquote. Well, behind this big rock, they went and they started to hide from me and I could hear their little giggles and it was the cutest thing ever. My wife and I, we continue to uh, have our conversation and I look down on the ground and what do I see but this big paw track in the dirt? And then another foot or two later, I see another big paw track in the dirt. (laughs) Then, yep, you guessed it, just a little bit further, there's another big paw track. And I noticed that they didn't look small enough to be like, like any other type of animal except a bear. We had seen a sign that said, beware of bears. I now see tracks that look to me like bear tracks. And I look over at Jess and I say to her, honey, these look like bear tracks. Now the giggles from my children had simmered down at this point, And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the most loudest blood curdling scream that my son has ever done comes barreling out of the wooded area behind this massive rock. So what do I do as a father? Instantly, I drop everything I'm doing, and I have not run this fast since high school towards the scream that is going off. I round the corner, and to my surprise, what do I find? But my two children standing there, scared out of their minds, 
Not because of a bear. <laughs> Not because of any animal, actually. My daughter was scared because my son had screamed so loud. And my son screamed so loud because he had dropped his strawberry in the dirt. That's right. My son <laughs> dropped his strawberry in the dirt, which caused him to scream louder than I'd ever heard him scream before. Or at least in recent recollection. But what came out of me as a father was the need and the urgency to save my child. The need and the urgency to run to my child's uh, every need, his care, his protection, his provision in that moment. And it's a beautiful thought as I walked away from it. I, I brought my kids back and we had a beautiful picnic and we threw all of our, our trash away in, in the dumpsters and we headed down the road to continue to see all the beauty that was in Yosemite. But in that moment, I remember thinking, wow, how quickly I ran, <laughs> how quickly I wanted to protect and provide for my child. How quick does God come to our needs? How quick does he come to our aid when we cry out for help? It's in our moments that we don't cry out for help and we try to reserve and, and take care of things and, and resolve things on our own that he doesn't rush to our side. He's always there. He's always in our midst. Yet when we scream and we cry out and we ask God for help, he is always a constant provision for us in our time of need. He is always a constant help in our time of need. And that's a beautiful thing of what we can hold on to as we continue to walk this thing out with the Lord. Now, the second story I want to share with you is about how God can literally use you and me anywhere at any time for his purpose. We were in Salt Lake City, Utah, and as I was driving down the interstate, I felt like I had hit something, but I wasn't quite sure. And so when I got to the campground that night, I looked at the front passenger side tire, and I noticed that there was a huge slice in my tire. And it wasn't leaking any air, but it was definitely uh, to the point where I knew I needed to get it fixed. So that very next morning, I woke up early. I took my, my van down to the local tire shop. And what I found was God had an appointment ready for me. The gentleman who was doing our tires, he uh, got them all worked out and, and was putting them on. And as he was doing the, the job, I noticed on the side of the road was a young man who seemed to be homeless. When I walked up to him and I started chatting with him, lo and behold, yes, he, he was definitely down on his luck and he was, had hit hard times and he was homeless. And throughout my, my conversation, I realized that he just needed Jesus. He told me about everything that he had gone through. He was a drug addict and he was trying to recover from that and he was uh, depressed and, and he felt like he had burnt every relational bridge that he had. And through that conversation, I was able to share with him the gospel of Jesus Christ, showing him that I was no better than he in the eyes of the Lord. All of his sin amounted to all of my sin, but the only way to get to heaven was to allow Jesus to remove those sins from our lives by placing our faith in him. And it was the most beautiful thing to see his eyes just literally light up as I shared the gospel with him, showing him that he didn't have to earn anything, that it was a free gift offered to him. After we get done praying and I start talking with him about the Lord, even, even further, it was a beautiful moment 
But then he asked me this question. So what do I do now? And that's oftentimes what happens in these situations. If you lead somebody to the Lord and, and, and you, bring, you help bring them to salvation in Christ and, and they place their faith in Jesus, the question is then, what now? And most times I'm in a city or a, or a place where I can connect people to resources, connect people back to churches, but I'm in Salt Lake City. I don't know anybody in Salt Lake City. And God, in that moment, did one of the most precious things. The gentleman who was working on my car, he was the one who owned the tire shop. He says to the man, we'll take you in. He says to his wife, come out. They live in a little apartment above the tire shop. They take the man in. They give him food. They give him clothes. They're, they're now in the process of helping him find a job and getting him back on his feet. And he, the gentleman who owns the tire shop literally looked at me and said he moved there. Him and his family moved to Salt Lake City to help profess the gospel, the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is in that moment that he knew as this man had been led to the Lord that it was his duty now to disciple this young man and to help bring him up knowing what God can do in his life through their ministry, even while owning a tire shop. It was a beautiful testimony to how God can take pieces and resources and everybody in the body of Christ is needed. It doesn't matter what your title, your position, your quote unquote office is in the body of Christ. Everybody is needed. Every single one of us. And isn't that a beautiful thing to know that every single one of us is needed in the body of Christ. Lastly, I want to share with you just a little encouragement today that if you're struggling with where you're at in the body of Christ, that you don't have to search so diligently. God has already laid it out for us what it looks like to be a Christian. I wrote recently in a post, and I just want to share it with you, that there are four easy points to how the Christian life works. Number one is this. You place your faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. The recognition for the need of a Savior comes through seeing how we as humans fall short of living or achieving the law that is stated in the Old Testament. We then see the gospel of Jesus Christ, the free gift and grace extended to us through Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection. This free gift of salvation brings reconciliation between us and God through Jesus and Jesus alone. It is by grace we are saved through faith, not of ourselves, lest anyone should boast, Paul wrote. And 1 Corinthians 15 gives us the complete picture of the gospel. I, I literally broke it all down in the third episode of this podcast. You can go back and listen to it again if you would like further explanation on it. Number two is this. Once the gospel is received, then discipleship and a relationship with Jesus begins. Prayer, which is our communicating to God. Study in the word of God, which is God communicating to us. And gathering with other saints to be built up in Christ. And that's a community of believers to encourage one another in the Lord. Number three, reaching out and leading others to the same grace-filled salvation that you and I have found. Matthew 28, 19, we are to go and make disciples, all of us. Our godly example is not enough. 
we must speak the truth in love and give others the opportunity some, someone else gave us. Number four, works. Not works in order to earn salvation, but rather works to keep in step with repentance for our sins. The book of James says, faith without works is dead. This simply means that your faith placed in Jesus will produce out of you works that align with scripture and how you live your life. Romans 12 shows a great outline of what the works a Christian should be doing right now every day is. Do not be burdened with the idea that you have to change the world or fulfill some huge purpose. God's purpose is to reconcile you to himself, and by these four ways, he does just that. Too many get caught up in trying to find their purpose that they forget to do the good works placed right in front of them. So let me encourage you that whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. It literally is that simple. Take the four ways, be willing to be your part of the body of Christ, and watch what God can do. And as always, we just pray that God would truly bless you and he would keep you. And until next time, may the Lord truly bless you.